This episode is sponsored by Fracht. Fracht means freight in German. Founded in 1955 in Basel, Switzerland as a freight forwarder, the company has grown and evolved to become a global logistics provider for many industries. Specifically for oil and gas, the company manages the complex movement of large industrial equipment used in our offshore production platforms, all the way to MRO, rope soap and dope, and chemicals. For more information, find them at www.frochtgroup.com. Welcome to ESG Energize, where we discuss the latest developments in the environmental, social, and governance arena that are impacting the energy industry today. Here is your host, Delfina Govia. This is Delfina Govia, the Chief Sustainability Officer for Frac, a global logistics provider with an unflinching commitment to sustainability and ESG and where we are collaborating with our customers and our suppliers to deliver innovative, sustainable supply chain solutions. Okay, ESG Energized audience, we are getting back to our core here today. I know we've been deviating a little bit with some of our ESG topics, more towards renewables, and other sorts of stuff, but today we are we are bringing it home. I am joined by Seth Moore, the COO and Executive Vice President of Catalyst Energy Services. He's also a co-founder, and his partner in crime today, Tony McLean, the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for GD Energy. Gentlemen, welcome to ESG Energized, and if you would please introduce yourselves a little bit more and tell us a little bit about your companies and what you do. Thank you, Delphine. Um, Seth Moore, um, as you said, Catalyst Energy Services. You know, we're a, a kind of a pure play frack, uh, hydraulic fracturing slash pressure pumping company based in uh, Midland, Texas. We're a, a group of industry veterans that came together to kind of play and have fun about six years ago. It's been a, it's been a fun go. Um, we started the company with an idea to do things differently and, and really uh, change, kind of change how frack was being done, change the face of frack. And oh. we introduced a product last year. Uh, we, we partnering with, with Gardner Denver as well in that. And, um, we introduced that product, and we're we're excited to talk about it and have a, have the ability to talk uh, the chance to talk about it today and talk about it with my good friend Tony. So, Tony, uh, how about you? Well, good afternoon. My name is Tony McLean. I work for uh, GD Energy Products. Most people know us as Gardner Denver Pumps. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, I was no, wondering no myself where this GD come from. <laughs> no, no problem. Well, our, our, the business was divested about uh, in 2021 from. Uh, and that's when we took on kind of this new name to reflect our new commitment to uh, upstream oil and gas. Uh, the company's been around though 160 years. Uh, if you look back in our legacy, we've uh, we, we can find the very first drilling pump. You can find the very first frack pump ever developed. So all right, uh, we've been designing pumps a really long time. And uh, Seth came to us with a challenge of, of hey, how do we? Uh, how do we take some good old pump technology and transition it over to this new uh, technology called Vortex Prime? 
Vortex Prime. Okay, so the impetus for this conversation was actually a uh, an announcement that came out a few weeks ago, right? So give us a little bit more behind that technology, behind that announcement with this partnership, so that we can better understand how, how y'all came together to, to bring this to us. Sure. So, you know, our Vortex Prime technology is a, it's a direct drive gas turbine frack pump um, that burns 100% natural gas. So the, the ESG implications of that lower emissions, and we, we can talk about some of that in, uh, later, but that technology um, had some unique challenges to it. One, the turbine uh, uh, engine itself is a high horsepower engine, and we needed somebody that could partner with us to make a pump that could handle that high horsepower output, and 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 trans you know trans that translates into reliable hydraulic fracturing um, for our customers, and the the high degree of reliability that both of our organizations uh, strive to to achieve and. Um, so that was the the announcement was was this this partnership. I think that uh, the innovation and just the the path that we walk together and our desire to to truly uh, do things differently. Okay. So Tony, what's your view on on the partnership? Well, first of all, I, I think innovation uh, can't come without partnership. Uh, you have to have partnership in order to innovate. And uh, I can remember when we first kicked off. Seth came to us and said, hey, how do we take your 160 years of pumping expertise and apply it to, to this new technology that's anything but conventional? And, and I think that's really the point that, that we knew that, hey, th this was a good project for us because the way that Catalyst approached it, their, their attitude about it, uh, we, we knew that was a company that we wanted to partner with to bring this uh, new technology to market. Um, so, so the goal from our standpoint wasn't just to supply a pump. Um, it, it was really to stand alongside Seth and Catalyst and, and be a partner to them. We, we knew this wasn't going to be easy. We knew this challenge was something completely different that had never been done before. Um, and so we knew we were going to have to have a really good partnership in order to be able to pull that off. Um, so, you know, for us, uh, we knew that we were going to have to test. We were going to have to make changes. We we're going to have to retest. Um, we, we were going to have failures. We were going to have victories, right? And we knew that we had to have a good partner alongside of us in order to do that. And, and Catalyst has been great. Um, I think now we've got something like 12,000 uh, stages of, of data yep. that, that we've generated uh, that, that's really allowed us to see how the unit's going to perform, how the pump's going to perform, yep. and, and, and as partners we've shared that data and, and, and we've used it to continuously improve and try to make that unit even better and more reliable for the frack market. Yep. So it sounds to me that the, the partnership between both organizations that there were, there's a couple of things that, that I'm hearing from you. First, is that each organization had to have an innovative mindset, right? Understand. Absolutely. Yeah, that it's, and that innovation isn't just, oh, we come up with a great idea and voila, there it is, right? It's gonna take trial and error before we get it right. And especially in our industry, if you're going to be working with EMP companies, we're not gonna like it very much if yeah. that don't work, right? <laughs> yeah. 
So number one, innovation. But it also sounds to me that an important component of this is the, the history, the historical knowledge and expertise for both organizations to be able to be successful in this partnership. Am I getting that right? Yes, you, you're, you've got it right. You know, the, looking back now, uh, there, there, were, there were days where the, the innovation w wasn't easy. And I'm not talking about getting to the final product, but you, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, and we were going down a path. I think to, maybe together that neither one of us had had gone down before. And there were days we hit a roadblock, and we didn't know how to get around it. We weren't sure what the next steps would be. But when you're both committed to the project, you know you're going to get there. Absolutely. And and sometimes it's just hey, you, you you hang the phone up, you end the Zoom call, whatever technology medium you're using. You say tomorrow's a new day. Sleep on it. We'll come back together. <laughs> you know, let's 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 you know get back at it, and we'll we'll make this work. And and in every case, we did. So uh, the that takes a, <clears throat> I think that takes a mutual respect um, uh, from both organizations, but certainly a, a lot of uh, desire to make things continually better. And um, we, I don't think any of us, and even today, we've got a very commercial product. It's, it's, it's performing well. Um, I used the term uh, not long ago, um, kind of this perpetual dissatisfaction. Right? <laughs> We're continually going, gosh, what can we do to make that piece better? Yeah. What can we do to make this piece better? Uh, uh, it's Tony and it was my, some of my team met with Tony and some of his team uh, yesterday. We had that same discussion. There's things that we're looking at. How do we continually get better? And that's the, the value in having a true innovative partner uh, to me because I know that the future is going to continue to improve. Uh, performance in the future will continue to be better. So can I steal that from you, perpetual dissatisfaction? Sure, sure can. To, to, to replace continuous improvement. That's I think right. we're That's sick right. of hearing continuous improvement. It's some That's sort right. of buzzword, right? That's we're going to call right. it perpetual dissatisfaction. All right, yes. I'm stealing that. Okay. I'm totally stealing that. All right. So bring that back. You, we, you said earlier you used a little catchphrase, which I like, changing the face of frack. Uh, bring it back to the, the Vortex Prime fleet technology. And tell us, tell us a little bit more you know, about what... The, the, the problem, as, as, as the shale plays grew, and I'm talking 2008, 10, 8, 9, 10, and on, we continually looked, um, we, we solved the problems of frack by throwing horsepower and people at the problem. And if you go and you look at a, kind of a conventional frack site, um, it's a lot of pieces of, the, we call it tires and feet. There was a lot of feet out there and there's a lot of tires out there. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of, the equipment just grew and, and the cost grew and the risk grew and the consumption of, of con, you know, different uh, commodities grew and, and we were able to do it. And, it, and it, the shale boom has been revolutionary for, for, been great for this country, been great for this industry. Um, and, and a lot of the big innovations came in the, probably in the last eight or ten years where we started getting more efficient. My partners and I looked and said, people were looking, how do you shave one percent or half of a percent or two percent of OPEX cost or, 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 or CAPEX out of the system? How do you do that? And we said, hey, we, we want to do something much bigger than that. What, what's to stop us from doing ten percent? 
maybe 15, you know, hey, how about 20? And when we looked at it, we looked at the fuel as being one of the big cost drivers. Um, and how do you take and, and, and slow or, or reduce the number, the dollar of fuel that you consume? Um, we looked at natural gas and said that, the, that we've got to get to where we burn natural gas to create um, hydraulic horsepower. Mm -hmm. And that led us down the path of, of, a, of a natural gas turbine being um, a, you know, a natural viable uh, engine for that. Some people were looking at creating electricity with turbines and, and running you know, electric uh, motors on pumps to yep. drive pumps great technology it's very expensive yeah from a capex perspective very very expensive um yeah we've been talking about that a lot that where does you know the the emp companies mm -hmm. are trying to drive their suppliers to reducing the use of diesel and kind of asking for the electric but the electric uh power right. but the cost of that who's going to bear the cost of that right the burden falls on the service providers so right. it's a it's a challenge that if if you're stuck with the capex and you but you've got to deliver to what your customer is asking for this sounds like a viable solution well it, we it, my partner says it checks all the boxes and i believe that so it, it kind of i say it wins the capex battle um it's very comparable to a diesel um uh, fleet in terms of capex uh from an operating expense you know category we, we have, we think of 30% cost advantage. That's huge, 30% is big, and, that, and that's not counting fuel. So then you put the fuel savings, which the customer enjoys that savings, um, could easily be a million dollars per month per fleet. So, wow. so to give the same amount of work at the end of the year, a customer could save significant monies um, on fuel. And look, I, Delphine, I'd love to tell you, we went into this and you know, we had this like green leaf on our logo and we were thinking about the environment and, and all that. We, till, till 2020 happened, I didn't even know the term ESG. And I had a guy call <laughs> me, he's the vice president of a large um, operator, I'll, I'll, I'll leave him uh, nameless. He said, man, you need to really be looking at this ESG thing because this falls right in your wheelhouse. So we researched it and said, sure, it sure is the emission savings, when you start talking reduce, replacing 20, 25,000 gallons of liquid fuel burn a day with natural gas, I mean, the emissions, I'm not, I'm not a emissions expert, I'm not a environmental engineer, but intuitively you know there's a big savings on that. Um, these, these units are high horsepower, so it takes a lot less of them. So now I have to roll less units through school zones. I'll, I'll go straight to the school zone. It <laughs> hits on everybody's heartstrings, right? You it know, does. Um, you know, we, less units. Uh, I, I, it takes less people on location to run and operate, so I've got less people in harm's way. Um, and then the, the liquid waste that happens on a diesel fleet. Yeah. You know, 50-something gallons of oil per engine every 500 to 700 hours, 750 hours, whatever it is, um, over the, over times 20 over the course of the year, 25,000 gallons reduced liquid waste by using this technology. Again, like it's just 
golden ESG lighting. It's yeah, but see, right? Seth, what you're doing is you're making the point that we have been making on this podcast since I started it, which is we in the oil and gas industry get beat up and we get demonized, but we have been doing these things, thinking about these things, innovations, not because somebody's out there waving some ESG flag, but because it just makes financial sense, environmental sense, it just all around business sense. And so when they say, well, you know, what are you guys doing for ESG? Well, look. That's right. Right? I I think for, you know, none of us know the future, but I think for ESG to to work outside of some regulatory, I'll call it interference. Go right ahead. um, But for ESG to work, it needs another E in the front of it, and that needs to be the economics. And when you can have the, that's what you're saying, Delphine. And if you can have the economics and the ESG part falls into line, then you've got a true checks all the boxes type technology. And that's, that's, I mean, that's not trying to oversell it, but that's what, no. that's where we are today. And that's, and, you're, you're making another one of my points that yeah. I like to wave my own flag about is that ESG helps us redefine operational excellence it becomes part of operational excellence it's not some separate thing it's not some other thing and operational excellence drives the economics drives the the business value and the business propositions that we need to be able to continue to operate so well what and it also sounds i think what i'm also hearing is that these this is actually a smaller physical footprint as well Yes. Correct? Yes. 48 foot from the 48 feet from the front bumper to the rear bumper. Um, traditional units somewhere in the high 60s to the mid 70s, depending upon the tractor. This is built on a body load design, body load chassis. So it's small. Um, it's about a 55% footprint savings overall, uh, this fleet versus another fleet. Now, we operate a lot in West Texas, Southeast New Mexico, kind of the Permian Basin. Size isn't so much of an issue there, um, but there are other basins of the world where size is, is very important. And oh, heck yeah. the cost to build locations is, is you know, can, can be high. Um, so, but we think even then, we had an operator tell us, um, and I, I was talking to a group today, they, I saw some heads shaking up and down in the audience, but that for every 10, foot of, 10 feet of location that they save on a drilling site, over the course of the year, that's a million dollars. So every drilling pad site, they yep. set their drilling rig up, if they can save 10 feet over the course of however many pads that is for that rig per year, that's a million bucks. Now, I, I don't, I, I have no way of fact checking that number, but again, today, a different customer, their head's going up and down, so I, I'm hoping that my number's not too far off, even if it's half that, right? Even if it's, it's half that, that's right. Significant. And look, we're talking maybe being able to save a lot, 50, 60 feet. So yeah. do the math, it's, it's um, but it's less disturbance to the, to the mm-hmm. natural terrain, it's, uh, it's less fuel burn as they create these, uh, pads uh, pad sites so there's benefits that are further down the line that we really we didn't think about that when we were we were building it so much but um it it appears to resonate with some people 
Hmm. But, you know, turbine technology <clears throat> is not anything that's new, right? No. Nope. So give us, hit us with something where Vortex is significantly different. So a couple, couple things. One, um, I would say, uh, aside from some of the benefits we just talked about, the size, we, we, we designed it to be very compact. So that's, uh, and that's just a design parameter that we set up. I think the, the two big things for me um, historically have been controls, pump controls, because you have to control this. I, I talk about um, kind of controlling a, uh, try to give somebody a visual, but controlling a light bulb with a, with a nuclear power plant, right? It's, it's, you know, <laughs> you've got all this horsepower, and you've got to be able to control that horsepower in a very preci precise way. Yeah. Now, that horsepower's got to run through the drivetrain. It's got to get to Tony's wonderful pump, and it's got to be able to produce reliable hydraulic horsepower. But, but the big thing is you have to be able to control it. And there were some advances in um, technologies uh, that helped with that, some of the hardware stuff. But what we did is we were, um, we were newbies. And we said, hey, we don't know what we don't know. Let's start with a blank sheet of canvas. And if we could design control software, what would it have? Mm -hmm. And we whiteboarded it one afternoon. We went through a bunch of markers and you know, we, we came up with what we wanted. Um, and, and then we did that ourselves. We, we, Work, work with others, but we built our own control software to allow us that precision where we could control it to the pressure or the rate or both. And that was a big advancement of this technology versus some of the uh, previous attempts. Um, another issue that's been a really, um, was a challenge. Uh, turbines are they're air hogs we call them air hogs they love yeah. a lot of air right so the um, is you have to filter that air uh -huh. and you know if you're at 30,000 feet probably not a big deal right it's not a lot of that's dust right that's right going through the atmosphere at 30,000 feet um, West Texas on a frack site <laughs> you think maybe maybe you know, <laughs> maybe a little so, bit so you know the the thought was let's let's do something different in the past they'd used uh, to, you know, paper media or other media type filters. And we went with an air particle separator. Uh, we went with a totally different device for cleaning the air. And what that did is it reduced the drag of air, the, the back pressure of air going through that turbine, which allows it to make more horsepower. Uh -huh. Or keep, retain a higher percentage of its horsepower. Uh, when you start starving them for air, um, you know, even with new filters, there's some uh, impact. Um, these 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 separators and, and patent pending design of ours have been incredible. Um, so those were two of the big challenges that we were able to uh, solve on kind of the turbine and the power generation part of of, of the, the project. The next thing was the pump. I was just going to ask. Yeah, so we've got take, Tony sitting right Tony's here. Tony's been quiet. So He's been kind of quiet, talk. so but let's let's we, give him a chance. Well, <laughs> I, I, I want to say that, and this is a, I don't mean this as a plug for them, but it's true. You know, you're taking a 5,500 horsepower engine, right? So mm -hmm. 5,500 horsepower. Most people can't, you know, uh, they can't put that in their mind. No. So 
It's 58 inches long and it weighs 1,200 pounds. I don't know if the few of us could pick it up, but it's, you know, we can get a couple people out of the audience. We probably could pick it up. <laughs> There's a couple small, of big bubbas out there right. that, that we could it's have. It's <laughs> small, but it makes a lot of horsepower. And you have to have something that can convert that into yeah. usable work. And that may sound easy, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And these guys were already headed down that path. And, and, when we threw, you know, kind of the the, the, the question, you know, the, I would say the challenge. We knew you guys could handle it, Tony. But um, <laughs> it was a challenge. It was a challenge. <laughs> when we came together, it's like, you know, if we're going to do it, these these guys here can can help us. So that's the that was the the uniqueness of this Vortex Prime was again from because we're all striving for reliability. Yeah, have the economics, have the ESG, have all these other great things. But if you don't have reliability in your day-to-day operations, then, um, you know, the, the, the technology will die. It'll die a painful death. And um, you have to have, you got to be able to, to convert that to reliable work. And so, I don't know if that's a segue or not. Into- no, I, I think it's perfect. <laughs> I, I think it was a it was a huge challenge, right, when, when we originally talked about it and, um, you know, we really, when, when you looked at that driver, um, going from a conventional diesel type engine down to this very small turbine, it, it was such a small power footprint that now all of a sudden most of the conventional pumps are 2,500 horsepower. Well, well now we're talking about needing 5, a 5,000 yeah. horsepower pump and the, the challenges that went along with that, um, to, to such point, we were down a development path looking at a pump, um, it's our we call it our Thunder 5000 pump. It's 5000 horsepower. Uh, it's it's built on some technology that's actually been in development for 20 years. Yeah. Um, but but changing to this new application was uh, was an incredible challenge. Um, you know the pump's got 11 inch stroke, which actually helps with consumables, the parts that are used in the pump to help again hold down maintenance costs. That was a really important piece of this. Um, so you know, really, I'd say the big takeaway was in order to get to Seth's dream of being able to use this unit and take what would be a conventional fleet of you know, 20 trucks down to eight, we, we had to develop this pump. Yep. And, and the only way to do it, and, and we were excited to bring it to market, but again, we had to have a good partner that would work with us and, and that we could continually test and, and continually improve. And, and, and how long did it take to develop that pump? So really, I would say, you know, we've kind of kicked things off. We've probably been a good uh, year and a half yeah. maybe right. into the project now. Yeah. And, um, you know, but we, we started with technology that, that we've had for a long time. And, and really, we had to evolve that technology. You know, if you think about, Seth mentioned earlier, but, you know, we had the shale plays in the mid-2000s. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, you know, we went to higher pressure shale plays like the Haynesville. And then we went to 24-hour, you know, frack operations. And so, you know, as a, as a pump company, we constantly had to be keeping up from an innovation standpoint. Right. Because the one thing we have to do is make sure that unit can go out and run every day. Mm-hmm. It's got to be reliable. 
and I think that was the most painful thing of the process is when we did have a failure and say, ah, oh, man, we got to take the unit offline, and, and, and that was painful. So yeah. keeping reliability was a, a, a real key objective for both organizations. But it sounds to me that being aligned, once again, on what it takes to be innovative and really produce uh, a product and a service yeah. that the industry is going to buy and buy again, right? Yeah. It takes that type of, of a partnership. Well, I think it even takes commitment, Delphine. I think, you know, that, that was for us, when, when we started off and Seth and I started talking, I, I think we knew that we had commitment from the top down. I mean, from the boardroom to the well site, we, we had commitment that we were going to figure out how to make this successful. Yeah. And, and I think that was kind of a, a turning point for us to know that, hey, th this is the right partner to be trying to bring this technology to market. We have to have somebody sitting on the other side of the table that's just as committed as we are to making sure we figure out how to make this thing work. Well, I'd be a little remiss if I didn't ask the, the journalistic question. So partnerships are, are wonderful, but you got to tell us some of the downsides. There's gotta, there must have been some, some difficulties, some challenges. Well, what did you run into that uh, you're, you're willing to air? I, I think that, that I, I say this, <clears throat> we have a lot of great teammates on, on, in this whole big Gardner Denver, you know, catalyst team. And with those teammates, there's a lot of passion. And there's times where in the innovative process, when the absolute certainty of an outcome is unknown, those 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 that passion that passion can, can, take can the... be infectious and it can be maddening. Yeah. And there was times it was both. So um, I would I, that's about the the way I would sum it up. But you know, again, you 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 end the Zoom call, you hang up, and you know that tomorrow is going to be a great day. And you have to believe that. If you don't believe that, you're you're jumping out the window, right? Or you're yeah. you're you're going home. That's how I would, that's how, what I remember. Um, so be patient with each other yeah. as you're working through something that you're all passionate you about. You know, I remember the phone, hey, Seth, uh, yeah, one of your teammates, you know, or hey, Tony, you know, we got we to figure out how these guys can play well together because they're, 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 both, they're, they're both committed to the right outcome. Right. It's coming uh, from a good place. It's coming from a great place, right? Uh, there, there were, um, and that, that, those things correct themselves pretty good. But again, I said it earlier, and I didn't mean it to, <clears throat> to brush over it, but there has to be a level of, of mutual respect. And that part has to underline all of the, because the communication, it drives communication, it drives all, commitment, it drives a lot of that. And I think that was there. I mean, I think the respect part. Well, and I, I love that we pushed each other. I, I think we, we, we pushed each other to be better. You know, kind of the old iron sharpens iron type yeah. analogy. Yeah. And, I, and I can remember there were times, you know, Seth would call and he would say, man, how do we do better? How, how do we improve? How, how do we go faster? That was another one of my favorite ones. Hey, <laughs> go faster. How do we go faster, you know? <laughs> and, and, you know, I do think there, there, were, there were lots of stories where, you, you know, we did. Gosh, I can remember one time I called Seth. I said, look. We, we got to ease up just a little bit. We got the engineers on the on the edge of the cliff here, and they're about to jump. Like, to like we got to ease up just a little yeah, bit here. Sure. Um, 
you, you know, but I, well, well, you know, I would say that that, that communication piece uh, is probably something I'm most proud of. Man. That you, you know, it, it took Seth and I constantly communicating yeah. with one another, and I, I think that was another real secret to our success was yeah. was that communication piece. I, I think the the the, organ, the people in the organization watch the leaders too, and when the leaders are committed and they get there's there's a respect and a commitment um they see that yeah and then they realize that's expected of them as well yeah. um and I, I think that mine and tony's relationship probably i feel like it catalyst i i uh, went a long way to helping the catalyst guys um and gals <clears throat> um really value this relationship I, i'd like to think it did same thing with well, the GD. for but, sure, yeah, so, for sure, yeah. and and really, we so, became friends over over the deal. You know, I I'll tell you, just real quick that you know, Seth and I would talk so much that we would talk after hours. We we would talk on Saturday mornings. I mean, to the point that you, you know, my wife would hear me talking about the unit, and she'd go, "Oh, hey, tell Seth I said hello." You know, so uh, he's kind of part of the family now. <laughs> Right. Is it was it one of those who you talking to, Jake from State Farm? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. She what knew it was Seth Jake from, from Catalyst. Catalyst. Right. 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 She knew it was Seth from Catalyst. What are you wearing, <laughs> Seth from Catalyst? <laughs> so, gentlemen, what final words um, would would you want to to share about this with our with our listeners so that we we can wrap this up? You know, for for me. Um, the, this isn't the last innovation you'll see from Catalyst. All right. Um, we're growing. Um, we still have that, as I said, per perpetual dissatisfaction, so we're going to be improving. Um, I'm excited about um, continuing to, to work with, with uh, you know, GD Energy Products and Tony and his team and the whole, the whole group there. Um, uh, I, I suspect that in the future we will continue to push the boundaries of what's, I, I don't know, normal. I, I don't know what normal is anymore. Um, yeah. We'll continue to push those boundaries, and uh, I look forward to being able to continue to do that with uh, with Tony and, and the team at GD. I think that's, uh, you know, it's it. Th this is not for everybody. Um, not for the faint of heart. It's not for the faint of heart. It's Don't not try this everybody. at home, kids. Um, but we're excited about about where this technology is going. I'm excited. Um, I have four children. I have a daughter who lives in Paris, France. Oh my! So I heard her her husband. I got two grandbabies, so excited about that. Okay, but, hold up, hold up. Shout out to the grandbabies. Shout, what are, shout what out are their names? Lark and Lumi. Lark and Lumi. Yeah, yeah. How so, old? Uh, three and uh, two. Three and a half and two. Okay, so you all, you almost messed it up they're, there, they're, Seth. They're, you almost uh, well, blew it. You know, they, look, they're 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 a little ways away, but we had them at Christmas. They were in. It was great. All right. But you know, she lives in in the I call it the epicenter of environmental consciousness, right? Absolutely. And even her and 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 my French son-in-law love him to death. Um, they're impressed with what we're doing. They see the value. Uh, you know. I look at it, and I'm, you know, energy transition's great, um, but how do we get? Uh, that's going to take a while. It's going to be a minute before we, you know, before we totally, you know, transform oh, the right. consumption of energy. Humans, we're addicted to energy, right? Yes, we are. Uh, um, being down in Houston this week and it being so cold, I'm really, I love the warm. Lord have uh, mercy. You know, um, 
but it, 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 how do you do that more uh, efficiently? How do you do that more environmentally conscious? And, and I think that uh, what we're doing is that. And, and I look forward to seeing, um, to continuing to do that. Tony, any last words? Well, I, I think first and foremost, I, I just want to thank Seth and the Catalyst team for, for inviting us to walk alongside you guys in this journey. Um, it, it's been a fun project to work on. Um, this industry is challenging. Um, this project was challenging. Uh, we, we pushed each other to be better, and I think it's partnerships like this that, that are going to continue uh, to change and evolve uh, our industry, you know, changing the face of frac, right? Right. Um, so I, I'm just thankful to be part of that, uh, thankful for the team. Um, we've got a great group of people that were, were work diligently to try to make sure that that we delivered the right product for the application. And, and I really think, I'm kind of like Seth, I think this is just the beginning yep. of, of what's possible here. So we're really excited to be be part of it. Well, it's innovation has been part of our everyday lives, right? Yep. Since the first well was, yep. was discovered. So gentlemen, how do we, if my listeners want more information, is there websites that we can direct them to that we can put in the show notes? Uh, yes, CatalystEnergyServices.com. Okay, there's, we'll there's, we'll write that down yeah. and put it in the show notes. Tony? For sure, GDEnergyProducts.com. All right. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you heard it here. We had a really good conversation bringing it back home to the oil industry. Thank you so very much, Seth and Tony, for being on our show. Thank you. Thank you. Join us again next week on the ESG Energized Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.